Welcome to Rage Against the Mainstream, your full spectrum source for all things music, insight, and opinion. Today is January 6th, 2020. For all of you out there that are listening, happy new year. Welcome to the roaring 20s. I'm Bill, and I'm joined here today with Connor and Steve. Hello. Hola. So have you guys encountered anything new or interesting in this new year? Uh, not in 2020. I'm still working on uh Wilco's newest album, Ode to Joy. Uh, you can check out the single from that. Every everyone hides. It's pretty good. Classic Wilco. Nice. Mm. So, uh, for me, also still stuck a uh, a whole decade ago, yeah. 2019. Yeah, <laughs> out of the, the times. times. Yeah. Uh, Slayer released. Well, it was a DVD to start Slayer. the Repentless Killology. It was. Um, to kind of like mark the end of Slayer touring, but they also released the album. It's available on Apple Music. That's where I got it. And it's just a live set of them playing at the Forum in Inglewood, 2017. They just released it, though, obviously, in honor of them ending their touring and, you know, them being a band. But, dude, it's awesome because there's like certain songs from like the Show No Mercy era where if you listen to it on the album, it kind of doesn't have the same energy as like, you know, Slayer yeah. on an album like later on. But like, dude, like the Antichrist is on there. And, um, you know, a couple other songs. And, dude, it's it's fucking awesome. Like, that's the one thing I'll always say about Slayer. They may have not been as creative or, like, musically inclined as, like, Metallica, that big four setup. But, dude, when you pay to go see Slayer live, like, you're getting a fucking show. Oh, yeah. Every absolutely. time, dude. Absolutely. Every time. You said when you saw the Misfits, they had the Slayer drummer, right? Dave Lombardo. Yeah. Yeah. That's cool. That was really fucked up when they got rid of him, too, because he's, he's a phenomenal drummer. But, yeah, seeing the Misfits... Also, last yeah, but decade. Paul ba- Bostoff is that his name? I have Bostoff? a Slayer. Yeah, he's he's good. Paul's good. But Dave Lombardo, man, he's you want to talk about top drummers? Have you listened to God Hates Us All? Yeah, yeah. Why? Would you be interested in a compact disc copy of it? I'm collecting vinyls now. It's a new new year, new me. No interest in CDs at all. No, no, okay. nope. I'm taking it back to the Roaring Twenties. All right. Yep. I guess I'll just sell it. For I mean, like, if it's free, yeah, I'll take it. Yeah. Just for I free? bought it because on the show Californication, all of David Duchovny's characters' books are named after Slayer albums. because yeah, he's the fucking man. That's funny. And <laughs> so I bought God Hates Us All because I was like, oh, if David Duchovny fucks with it. And that's I a great show, too. It, but yeah. I didn't really fuck with it. I kind of wanted to be him for a while. I was like hoping one day I'll be a writer like him and just kind of live oh, yeah, like a fucking the, rock star. He's the man star. in that show. <laughs> yeah, if you've never seen Californication, you definitely need to binge watch the shit out of that. Yeah. Great show. And it's like, that's a show where it gets a little bit worse towards the end. Yeah. But it's still not even bad. But it's great it's because... It's not like a train wreck like yeah. all these shows nowadays. Like yeah. They just can't hold it together at the end. But the great part is his character deals with so much fucked up shit, but he kind of just like, eh. Yeah. All the time, dude. Like, yeah, all that's, throughout the whole That's thing. like his problem. He's yeah. just always like... He's just like, whatever. All right, I'm going to fuck it up worse. Yeah, <laughs> whatever. Do you know Zach Wilde did a cameo on California Yes, Cation? like everybody did a cameo yeah. on yeah, California Yeah, he was a, like a guitar shop owner yeah. or something. Marilyn Manson yeah. fucking... Great show. Everybody. It goes on and on and on. I Solid can't show. even think. <laughs> so I Bill, watched it years ago, but yeah, I actually, that's why I bought the Slayer album. Well, it's the only Slayer album I own. So you don't want to keep it for nostalgic purposes? Eh, it's just sitting on the shelf. All right, I'll take, take it. it. If it's free, I'll take it. Uh, yeah. There's no like 
no strings know, like, attached. Okay, no like fine print I'm missing in this. No. All right, fair enough. Bill, anything? Um. Well, as you guys know, last week we had um, RJ from Alica on. We did an interview with him. Um, I dug into Alica's discography and I came across their song Demagogue, and uh, it's pretty fucking sweet. But yeah, uh, Demagogue. That's awesome. Check that shit out on YouTube or Spotify or something. Word. Shit's tight. On this day in music history. 1957, Elvis makes his third and final appearance on The Ed Sullivan Show, where he performs seven songs in three segments, including Hound Dog, Don't Be Cruel, and Heartbreak Hotel. He is only seen from the waist up, leaving viewers to speculate as to what the screams in the audience are about. You know, it's funny. Like, you think about it. He played seven songs. Yeah. Like, when you see, like, a band that plays on, like, I don't know, like, letterman or some shit like that like they only play like maybe one or two songs well, hound dog is like fucking like under two minutes yeah, yeah. but still <laughs> seven songs yeah yeah it's just crazy like look at the saturday night live bands yeah, like they only play like one song yeah they'll give you like tops like eight minutes exactly yeah if you if you have long songs like they won't let you play like foo fighters like when they did it the one time they only got to play one i think they played generator or something right well, I think it was like the Pretender era. Oh, like, okay. I think they, well, fucking, he got fucked because Bon Jovi was like the fucking host. Yeah. So then they had to give fucking one of Foo Fighters spots to fucking him. That's some bullshit. Of course. Yeah. Bon Jovi. We bon Jovi hate, sucks. Yeah, we all hate Bon Jovi at least, right? Yeah. Well, whoa. I do hate Bon Jovi's okay. music, but uh, the school that I was going to go to before I committed to the uh, bowling uh, school, Wichita, Wichita, Kansas. Um, Rutgers Newark, they're actually opening up a free food k- kitchen like on campus. Oh. And I heard it was Bon Jovi. And I was like, fuck, I, I gotta like, it's free food. I'm gonna go there. But then I found out it's Bon Jovi's wife that's doing it. And I'm like, that makes more Probably sense. Probably a tax right off. Yeah. yeah probably. Absolutely. But it's just the fact that his name's not tied to it. Like that's, you know, it's just his wife. And obviously his name is going to be the selling point, but he wasn't the driving factor behind this. Well, it makes it all better. Yeah. What a piece of shit. Growing up, does he still own the soul? Philadelphia <laughs> so. soul? Probably. Fucking. You like heard, bad medicine, bro? What a loser, bro. <laughs> I've heard, you know, um, I don't know how true it is, but if you work for the soul or anywhere like affiliated with them, yep. Like you can't ask him for like an autograph or anything. What a douche. Like he doesn't like want to talk to anybody about like Bon Jovi or his stardom. It's like work. I don't care if he's douche. dead or alive. <laughs> <laughs> Like, I don't know, man. I mean, like, I get why Bon Jovi was so popular in the 80s and all, but, like, they should have just stopped after Bad Medicine or Slippery When Wet, whatever that last one was in the 80s. The only songs that I can stand are Warren Dead or Alive and, uh, Shot to the Heart. You don't like Blaze of Gory? No, that song blows. Shot down in a blaze of glory. that song blows my dick real hard. Young gun. Like I think that's the only Bon Jovi song I actually like. I prefer not to talk about Bon Jovi anymore, to be honest. Yeah, with let's you. move on. Yeah, this is right, 1958. <laughs> Jerry Lee Lewis, Great Balls of Fire, hits number two, where it stays for four weeks before dropping down. See, now there's a musician. Oh, yeah. Playing fucking piano oh, yeah. with his feet and shit. Jerry yeah, Lee Lewis. Fucking, he was a showman. Fucking rock. Yep. He married his 13-year-old cousin, though, so he fits into my pedophile camp, but... <laughs> well. um, yeah, but they were cousins. Not though. my pedophile. You know what I mean. <laughs> yeah, let's elaborate on that, please. Where are we going with that? <laughs> what, are we going to have a side segment? Is, is there, Up next on Connor's vision of pedophilia. 
1975, pedophile free band Pink Floyd began recording their album Wish You Were Here after abandoning an earlier concept and album recorded entirely with household objects. That yeah. was probably a better, better Yeah, option. thank God for that. <laughs> Let me ask you a question. Because obviously everyone, you know, loves Dark Side. How do you feel about metal and Obscure by Clouds? Never listened to Obscure by Clouds. Like metal, for sure. If yeah. you like metal... Mm-hmm. you will love Obscured by Clouds. Yeah. Because Obscured by Clouds is like more of like a, and I wouldn't even say grungier, like raw, because it's still Pink Floyd quality, like mm-hmm. production-wise, but it's like it's more raw. Pink Floyd's Dark Side, but like more authentic. Like, because you know, you, now like Dark Side has that constant like feel around it yeah. as like being their yeah, album. Yeah. Obscured by Clouds is the same vibe, but it's just, because Becky, like that's her favorite Pink Floyd album. I was like, that's really fucking weird because mine's animals and I never really listened to Obscure by Cloud. So I listened to it fairly recently, several times since. And like, bro, the only ones I have are Metal, Adam Hart, Mother, uh, Animals, Dark Side, and Wish You're Here. Wish you're here. Wall. You need to get yeah. Obscure by Clouds. Yeah. I think you'll really like it. I know Bill over here, though. Probably would hate it. Yep. You Not think so? Pink Floyd you hate fan. Pink Floyd, don't you? I don't hate Pink Floyd. I'm starting, I guess, like, in my older years, I'm starting to get a soft spot for Pink Floyd. Yeah, you got to slow it down, man. You know, sometimes you got to take a step I mean, back dude, and really appreciate I it's not that I ever really the hated them. I, it's just something I what, never got into. Like, I just Welcome never, like... To the machine. <laughs> like, you know, like, I had a Dark Side to the Moon fucking poster in my room. I think my yeah. mom bought it for me. She's like, oh, you'll really like this. And I hung it in my room. And I was like, I like Pink Floyd. <laughs> Yeah, I think you should really give animals a chance front to back. I would start there. Because, I mean, dark side, obviously. But, yeah, I would definitely uh, revisit that in your elder years now. All right. I mean, we're not even fucking 30 years old over here, but we're talking like, when you get uh, well, to my age, you can appreciate Pink Floyd. Well, it's funny, dude. Like, you think about it. Like, when you think about when you actually started to, like, listen to music. Yeah. Like, it was about what? Like, 15 years ago, where you were probably, yeah, like... Yeah, sitting in the backseat of my dad's car with Bon Jovi on the fucking radio. Yeah, but you know what I mean, though? Like, when yeah. you started getting your own tastes, when you started getting your own tastes and your own opinions on music, it was yeah. probably, what, about 15 years ago? What am I, 28? I'd say 12, yeah, 12, 13, 12, when I really yeah, started about to about almost yeah. half of our life. Yeah. So, yeah, I can say, like, back then, when I was... True. In, in my younger years, I was ignorant, True. and I was like, "If it isn't Ozzy Osbourne, it's yeah." That's also shit. yeah. I think it depends on the people you grow up around, and like currently, yeah. what's being surrounded by. It's like I said before, dude. The house, the house that I grew up in, David Lee Roth was king. Ozzy was god. Yeah. My mom hated the Who. She hated Led Zeppelin. She hated the Rolling Stones. My dad was into like fucking slaughter and firehouse and fucking <laughs> Van Halen and, Ozzy and poison <laughs> and shit like Cinderella. that. Yeah, Cinderella, dude. I, th- I remember a lot of New Edition. Uh, <laughs> I'm pretty sure you remember the day when my dad figured out who, what White Zombie was. Uh, yeah. And my dad's like, yo, you, have you ever heard this? Uh, <laughs> this Rob Zombie character. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> yeah. 1977, Kiss's fifth album, Rock and Roll All Over, is certified platinum. Mo Money for Gene. Does anyone else share the same opinion that Kiss might be one of the most overrated bands like ever? Yeah, yeah, they're a cartoon band. Yeah, they're like, they're like the monkeys. They're glorified. Too. Yeah. Now, yeah. What's more of a joke to you, Death Clock or Kiss? Kiss. Really? Probably. Well, I think Death Clock's because it's intentionally a yeah, joke band. It's like a satire. Yeah, it's very much satire. But Kiss, well, I think, it's like, kind of like they're in on the joke though. 
Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I think Kiss, it's like... Gene and Paul. Not in yeah, like a joke. They think it's a real band. To become like... Like, I just bought you that fucking comic. Yeah. <laughs> you know I mean? Like, Calling Dr. Love. Yeah, Hard dude. Luck Woman. But that's yeah. the thing, though. There's a couple songs by them. If you took away the whole aesthetic of Kiss... Dr. Love's a pretty bad. good song, though. I like, like that Black song. Diamond's a great song. I love it loud. That was on Creatures yeah. of yeah. the Night. Like, um... God of Thunder. God I always mention that. Strutter awesome. is pretty good. Strutter's because, like, for Gun. that time. Yeah, Detroit. Yeah. Do, do we yeah. forget about how good the fucking solo is in Love Gun? Love Gun's Gun? very good. Just the whole riff, dude. Yeah. Love Gun's awesome. Dun, I prefer Love dun, Buzz. Love Buzz. <laughs> <laughs> like, I don't know. Of course. I, of course you did. Like, Kiss does have good songs, but, like, if you were to pull, like, the good songs out of their discography, you only have, like, one album of, like, really good songs. Yes. So, there like, you would call them, like, a greatest hits band? Yeah. Yeah, it's definitely a greatest hits band. I think I do have Kiss's greatest hits, honestly. Yeah. yeah. But that's mm-hmm. the, yeah, I know. I've, I'm pretty sure I've had Kiss's greatest hits too. But that's the thing, though. Like, if you get, like, I don't know, the band that shall not be named, if you were to get, like, their greatest hits, if they put out one, it would be, like, two discs. Yeah. But like, there is also probably Nirvana's not going to be what, songs. Three? No, one. No, the, with the uh, lights, with the lights out. out. Not it's not. Yeah, it's no, compilation it's of like sense. unreleased okay. and right, B sides. You, you know what shit. I mean, though. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like if you were to, like if you were to. Well, sit Nirvana down, also only had three studio albums. Kiss has like fucking twenty. Yeah. yeah, but if you were to sit down and like take you know every Kiss song and pick out only the best ones, it would only be one album. Yeah, if because like you said, the band that should not be named. Um, even if they did on that section, let's say they did like a one or two CD greatest hits, there'd probably be like. 20 plus songs that aren't on there that you would still have to buy the albums or look yes. at it. Whereas like, yeah, Kiss. Every one of them would be fucking bangers. Yeah, Kiss, every you could one. probably release an 18 song CD and everything on there would be on 18? there that I want. Yeah. I think and that's being, being generous. Little, yeah, I was going to say. It's being super being generous. generous. But I'm saying really like when you say greatest hits. should not be named for me. Huh? You guys are really killing the band. You should not That's the whole point, dude. I, know. <laughs> I don't know why you're bringing them I'm back like up. I'm trying to, to stump over to that part. sell the CDs now. <laughs> That's a shame. But um, yeah, because you talk about Nirvana, like Nirvana's greatest hits, the one we are talking about, not with the lights out, but their their greatest hits with uh, You Know You're Right yeah, on it's it. 14 songs. It's 14 yeah. songs. But yeah, it is. they only have a very short discography, but let's say you're being generous for Kiss and giving them 18 songs. There's probably still four songs or maybe six songs on there that I'll still skip. Yep. Yeah, exactly. You know what I mean? It's like David Bowie. I know you don't like David Bowie just because of circumstantial reasoning. Out of all. There you go. Um, but I enjoy David Bowie, his music at least. And same thing with him. He could have a 16-song CD, and there's very much so. Like, like Ziggy David Stardust. David Bowie is the devil. Ziggy Stardust, I can probably listen to that whole album, but I, I probably wouldn't buy it, to be honest with you. I would just invest money in a greatest hit, so I was going to actually own the LP. Okay. Um, but that's the same thing with Kiss. I think uh, very overrated. Is the verdict then? We're saying kisses. Yeah, yeah, they're overrated for sure. Actually, hold on. Here's even more of a real, realistic thing. Foo Fighters. Yes. If they did a, well, they did do a greatest hits. Yeah. But if they were to be a little bit more lenient with the greatest hits, do you think they could fill up two CDs worth of material? Yeah. Yeah, they they have two CDs worth of singles. That's what I mean. Yeah. Like without question, they could do it. And not for not. Yeah, there's their worst singles aren't as bad as the worst Kiss singles at all. Exactly. Their worst singles aren't as bad as the best Kiss singles. I don't know about that. But here's the thing, though. With Foo Fighters, I'm not really huge at all on the Foo Fighters to the point where like, if they've released a two-CD set where it was all greatest hits and singles, there's still some songs on there that I wouldn't enjoy. Like, yeah. Foo Fighters are very average to me. Yeah, very I've fallen average. off on the Foo Fighters. Yeah, yeah they, I've been lately. It's 
it's frustrating when you know the history he came from. They all came from like exactly, and dude. Like they they've see been a part of so much better, and like they they don't see a problem like the times, like, like the shit that they're doing. Like, Let's think, is Dave reached that plateau where it's like Dave is you know like the new like Robert well, Plant, the, if you will. For the first time, I really feel like Dave is just trying to get all the money that he can, yeah. and I didn't feel yeah. like that even up in like I guess Sonic goes, Highways was like the very like the beginning of yeah. like. That yeah. being like money grabbing. Yeah, I I'd, I'd say wasting Sonic light was probably their last no. extremely good effort where they were like you know like a you felt like it was an honest band. honest yeah. writing light though got hyped up for being like consistent and everything, but it's pretty cookie cutter. Yeah, like but the but they the, it's good formulaic songs, as balls. Yeah. I think it was a lot like of, Everlong isn't formulaic. Like that's an original no. song and construction, the yes, riffs, everything about true. it's original. That's honestly one of the huge reasons why I still actually can say I like the Foo Fighters is just because of that song. Yeah. Because that's one thing like I can't deny. That like that song, yeah, like yeah. Well, the color, color and the, the shape, shape in general. Exactly, album. that's what I'm saying. But that song in general, like yeah, you don't think so? I'm falling off on all of oh, it, the color honestly. shape. Yeah, even the self title. They have songs. I think we covered this on an episode before. They have songs here and there, before. obviously, that are really good. Like, the first album had, like, four or five really good songs on it. The yeah. second one, four or five really good songs. Third wow. one, four or five really good songs. The fourth one, one or two. Yeah. Fifth one, three or four. And it's a double album. Like, Bro, this was, like... Uh like straight musical mitosis we had kiss and it just separated and now we're like an amoeba of fucking foo fighters what's going on in 1977 Connor? Fuck Dave Grohl. <laughs> that I was mean, kiss. 79. in 79 we got the village people appeared on american bandstand where the crowd does the soon to be famous and movement spelling out ymca dick clark makes sure they learn those moves and they do yeah any big village people fans in the house <laughs> huge yeah <laughs> love them all right, I mean, YMCA is all right, I guess. Yeah, Maybe. it's all right. Like at like a party. Let me ask like you this. Wedding. Let me ask you this. Any songs that they play consistently on the radio for forty years are probably <laughs> over. <laughs> I mean, just an honest perspective. Has there ever been a point in your time where you're just scrolling through Spotify or no. Apple and you go, you know what? I'm not even letting you finish. No, right. I, I, I'm not going to go on there and pass like everything else. And go, you know what? I want YMCA. I'm just feel the village people right now. I think I'm going to make a playlist of them and Boy George. You know, just uh, uh, set the tone. Man. Yeah. <laughs> The greatest year of all time, 1993, Rolling Stones bass player Bill Wyman leaves the group after 30 years of service. I left because I didn't see anything new happening in the future. I realized if we played for another 10 years, I'd still be playing Jumpin' Jack Flash, Honky Tonk Woman, Street Fighting Man until we packed up. Well, he was right. Right. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> right on the money. He right was smart. Money, he got Bill. out. <laughs> he already made all the money he could with them. Yeah, and if you I mean, think- he could have made more money, but he's already like a million times a million yeah, that's right. yeah and that's yeah. what i'm saying if you think about rolling stones he still gets post, royalties but, too yeah. when would you say the rolling stones like really just kind of stopped like obviously they kept touring but when would you say it was like the end of the rolling Stones? start me up was like the, the yeah. last gasp yeah, of like, like that 80s. being like the yeah the the big huge rolling stones yeah they were because 1993 like there was nothing left that was like bridges of battle. I think I could have got tickets fuck. to go see him at Citizens Bank for like six dollars and like standing room. Really? Uh, yeah, and it was like a last minute thing because it was on StubHub. So I guess people were just like just trying quickly. It was standing room by the bullpens and shit. I think it was like six dollars before mm-hmm. fees and stuff. I almost that. like I like luckily that was the, oh that was the night I went and saw uh went and saw something else up in North Jersey, but I missed that because of that. I thought about that, but you figure 1993 if you left that band. Whatever. Yeah, he's not missing. Yeah, anything. he did everything he could he at that nothing. point. Yeah. 
Again, in the greatest year of all time, 1993, Lucky 13, a Neil Young compilation with four previously unreleased tracks, hit stores. It's his second compilation album, with the first being the Decade Triple album in 1977. Why do you keep saying 1993 is the best years? Because of the year you were born? Yes. <laughs> and in Udero. Wow. Okay. Um, it's quality. Um, Lucky 13 is a pretty useless uh compilation is it yeah it's i think it's like his geffen years which is like three or four albums uh, and it's like his 80s albums that no one really cares about except for me um <laughs> <laughs> at least you can admit it though yeah i mean that's that's not his uh most beloved era for sure uh 1996 easy ease posthumous single just to let you know hits number 45 on the billboard hot 100 chart it's a pretty good song yeah, it's yeah, yeah. 1999, photographed by Annie Leibovitz, the Backstreet Boys appear in a print campaign with milk mustaches to promote the beverage. They did that Got Milk thing for a while. Yeah. I think Eddie and I Alex Van Halen did I it remember too. it. You remember the Got Milk ads? Yeah, like Backstreet. in like fucking I do, Rolling Stone. I don't Stone remember and shit? Backstreet Boys in them. I don't remember the Backstreet Boys one yeah. either. I remember the Eddie and Alex Van Halen one. I remember um, Michael Jordan one. I don't remember. I don't remember Backstreet Boys one, and I was a pretty big Backstreet Boys fan back in 1999. In 2009, very sad tragedy. Ron Ashton, guitarist for the Stooges, is found dead in an apparent heart attack in Ann Arbor, Michigan, at age 60. Yeah, it's crazy. The Stooges I just, were yeah. a party band, weren't they? Yeah. Yes. Yeah, they oh, were yeah. like fucking crazy party band. Yeah. Fucking Iggy Pop was like hooked on methadone for like years, dude. I would just watch that documentary and. Um, on uh, Prime, and it's funny because they actually got inducted in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame in 2010. And Iggy mentions that the two members that actually died mentioned specifically Ron and just like how I think I forget what he said about him exactly, but he was like um, saying something about like you know we should be in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame because like all the bands he got to see prior to that that like came out like the whole punk movement that was established after the Stooges and like everything and was just yeah. like blown away that they were still hated and yeah but the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame dude that's all a fucking scam that shit's all fucked up yeah but just for them the the artists themselves I mean it was just like yeah I mean it took Black Sabbath how long to get into the Rock and yeah, Roll Hall of Fame yeah up there's yeah they're dumb yeah. yeah the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame's a fucking scam. Of course, but it's still, it's like they wanted to be in there, yeah. regardless of how yeah, it's you done. Want to be it's just bullshit. Into, you know, like history. Like, yeah. like, you know, this band deserves to be in the Hall of Fame. I do give them props for taking Public Enemy on. Yeah. Yeah. Well, they should have. Yeah. And I believe NWA was past its prime, too. And if anybody was, you know, like a, like a forerunner in the whole rap game, it would be NWA. Yeah. Like They're controversial, they, though. That's, yeah. Yeah. But but that's the thing though they're still one well at the time like they were the fucking they they were the they is were rage the in the rock and roll hall of fame no no that's kind of bullshit Tom Morello got to play with Bruce Springsteen in his induction <laughs> <laughs> that's also that, kind of bullshit <laughs> yeah and Bruce got inducted in like two thousand nine or something yeah it's kind of late yeah that's like really late Van Halen got inducted in like thirteen. Nirvana got inducted really a year before their eligibility. That's actually. what I mean. Yeah. It's all a fucking scam. Except for their treatment of Nirvana. <laughs> all right. What happened in 2012? <laughs> 2012. Wiz Khalifa is sued for $2.3 million over his hit song, Black and Yellow. Max Warren, who raps under the name Maximilian, claims Khalifa, his producers, and his label stole the song from him. 
In the lawsuit, Warren states that the idea for the song was taken from his copyrighted 2007 song, Pink and Yellow. Khalifa claimed he'd never heard of Warren or his music. <laughs> I've never heard of Warren either. I've yeah. never heard of the Pink, Pink and, and Yellow. Yeah, hold on, hold on. It sounds name, like a venereal his, disease. His, I know. His, his name's Max Warren. His rap name is Maximilian. That's like something your weird uncle calls you as a nickname if your name is Max. Like, come here, Maximilian. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> it sounds I, I, like a I, Disney Channel rapper. Like, I'm not a huge... I don't even think I'm a huge. I don't even think I'm a real fan of uh, Wiz Khalifa at all. I like Black with. and Yellow. I think it's yeah. A cool well, song. because that's like one of those songs that came out when we were like, uh huh. You know what it like, is? I, yeah, I remember it came out like at the end of like my high school era. I guess you could call it. Yeah. And uh, but yeah, I mean, still to the point where it's like, <laughs> it's a cool song. But <laughs> and I, you get like a subpoena in the mail. <laughs> Max Warren, aka Max a million, is saying suing you. And but it's the fact that they have to say his copyrighted song. I know. Like you know, he went out and fucking got the copyright. The second he heard black and yellow, was like, yeah. you know what? I've got a copyright pink and yellow because it's got yellow in the title. Yeah, fucking weirdo. My fucking venereal disease song. That's where he got the title for. It's not like he could come up with the combination of those two colors and put an ampersand in between the both of them. And I, I had forget pink what and yellow. black and yellow is supposed to stand for, like in that song. I actually looked it up at one point. I totally forget. What? <laughs> <laughs> the smiley face. Oh, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah that's yellow. right. Yes. <laughs> All right, yeah, yeah. That's right, yeah. Music news. Today in music news, January 6th, 2020. Here's something that's kind of cool, and we talked about this a while ago. The Billboard 200 is now including official video plays from YouTube and streaming services. Um, saying here that uh, video and audio data from YouTube, along with visual plays from several several music streaming services, will soon be factored into the Billboard 200 albums chart. Um, the inclusion of video data into the Billboard 200 arrived five years after studio streams were added, making the chart shift from a measure of pure sales to a uh, consumption model. The addition of video will also impact Billboard's genre album consumption charts, such as country, R&B, rap, hip-hop, Latin, and others. While YouTube streams have factored into the Billboard Hot 100 and other song-specific charts since February 2013, this marks a first for the album charts in, con- in contrast with uh, song charts, which can be impacted by user-generated videos, only official licensed video content uploaded by or on behalf of rights holders will be counted for the Billboard 200 and other albums charts. Um, the changes will take effect in... Two weeks, January 18th. Um, it'll reflect uh, sales and streams for the period of January 3rd through the 9th. It's about time. Deep Throat goes straight to the top. <laughs> Start getting them views. Honestly, dude, <laughs> honestly, it's about time they started doing this. Like, the second that YouTube became a giant streaming service and, yeah. and like, Vivo came out, yeah. it should have instantly been counted. It's funny that the next one is Radiohead's entire discography has been added to you. <laughs> and, and Radiohead was like always that band that was like, yeah, we're for our fans. Well, think about we Tool, We can pay man. whatever you want. Tool like, did the same shit. And now when- they're like, yeah, we're going to... Uh, we're going to put everything on YouTube, YouTube where they yeah. count all the fucking shit. Well, this is, this <laughs> is when you're going to find who the fucking real is. Up on it's like, we're trying to take over these charts. Yeah. <laughs> like all of a sudden. This is when you find out who the real is, though, because I guarantee you Garth Brooks won't put his shit on YouTube. That's because Garth Brooks is trying to get paid. Uh, well, if the things are counted. You're not getting paid as much. It's still not like as much as like pure physical sales payment. Yeah, yeah but also it, he, why he not just doesn't care that. about the recognition. I don't of, even think Garth Brooks cares. 
He just, well, he just released a giant compilation. Yeah, I know, but out. I don't think he cares to that extent. Yeah, but that's what I'm saying, though. Like, obviously, Garth Radiohead Brooks does feels... not want people listening to his shit for free. Yeah. Yeah. That's facts. <laughs> <laughs> he, he might have some friends in low places, but he don't let them listen to his music. Hell no. <laughs> he don't hang out with them often. Yeah. He's at, like, a party. Garth, why don't you play guitar for us? It's going to be five bucks. <laughs> 500,000 bucks. All right. So, next thing we got here is Radiohead's entire discography has been added to YouTube, as Connor enough. said earlier. Yes. Um. It comes days after the billboard announced that they will factor in it's YouTube literally streams. What I just said, they they want to get, they're like, all right, we can put our shit on YouTube now. It's getting counted. Bet. Um, Pablo Honey, uh, through Moonshape Moonshape. Anybody pool. want my Radiohead CDs? <laughs> I'm f- fucking great purge over here. <laughs> it is not clear whether Radiohead added the albums themselves or if it's doing of XL Recordings who acquired the band's catalog back in 2016. Well, I mean, it they could very well not have anything to do with it. It could be their label. Like, listen, we have to start making some money off you fuckers now. They made plenty of money off Radiohead. Yeah. Yep. Let's be real. Yeah, but there's always more to be made. Not when you don't fucking make any singles like Radiohead hasn't done since 1995. Last thing here in music news, uh, YouTuber Jared Dines makes a video calling out fake guitar players. Um Dines posted the video to, on his YouTube channel, which has 2.6 million followers. So it was definitely a pretty large audience that saw this video. Um, the guitar player from Rings of Saturn, Lucas Mann, who was called out by Dines for being a fake guitar player, took to YouTube to go uh, against Dines and prove he's actually an incredible guitar player and not faking it. Right now, we're going to play you guys a clip of Lucas Mann and the, uh, the guitar part in question. So, not going to lie, it sounded like a video game. Um, how do you know that's real? I've seen the video, and um, uh, Lucas Mann did a rebuttal video to Jared Dines, like, claiming. Mm-hmm. And, like, he went to, like, crazy lengths to prove, like, how real his guitar playing is. And, like, he went down the line and was like, listen... Here's like the you know the, the like the clock going. Here's me playing the riff. Here's me playing it slower. Like everything. All right. So this dude Dines called out that guy. Yeah. And then what? He in response posted a live version of him playing it. He yeah. He posted uh, various concert videos and him playing. So it until in that the point, video. there was no like live performance for this dude before he made that remark. Yeah. Th- there was just like a lot of shit going on with Rings of Saturn because they don't like like when you go to see like the Misfits or Slayer or something, yeah. you can hear like the sound coming off the cabs and shit. Rings of Saturn uses all in-ear stuff and there's no stage volume at all. So like you're only getting through the PA. Huh. Yeah. So. And then there's like another thing, like they have stage monitors, and in the stage monitors, you can hear what you want to hear. And in the video, Lucas Mann was hearing what the other guitar player was doing. So if you're standing by the stage monitor, you're hearing what he's hearing on the monitor, which is the other guitar player. It was, it was just check out the video. He explains it. And it's like really fucking weird. It's like a crazy circumstance to how this guy got called out. And he made Jared Dines look like a fucking asshole. <coughs> He's like, oh, yeah, well, of course you're going to fucking say that I'm not good or you're going to say I'm faking because you can't play what the fuck I'm doing. 
Now, who's this dude, Jared Dines? What's his relation that, to call he's, out? He's that guy on YouTube that does like drummers on drugs, guitarists on drugs. <sighs> the kid with the backwards hat. Yeah. He kind of looks like uh, Sid from Recess. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Wait, wait. You know about Sid from Hey Arnold? No, no, no. well, him too, but uh, like Sid from Recess. Remember the. Or, it's weird how much Sid from. Oh, uh, not from Hey Arnold? That's the one I'm thinking of when you say Sid. I don't remember a or, Sid from Recess. Or who was the, who's the kid in Recess? Like the, the main like, kid. No, the main kid with like the fucking backwards hat. T.J. Detweiler. T.J. Detweiler. Yeah, 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 yeah. He looks just Come like on. him. Unbelievable. <laughs> Going off this right here with this Lucas Mann shit with this jerk off Jared Dines. Yes. I mean, I used to like his videos a lot, but then he wound up getting like really like, I guess he started running out of ideas and his videos started getting like really fucking stupid. And like for him to start calling people out and shit, it was just stupid. Yeah. Especially when this fucking dude like. He's good. You heard it. Like, he's fucking good. He's a good guitar player. It's, like, unnecessary just, like, talk shit. I mean, what was the relation? It wasn't like there was any reason to call him No, out, he was just, I mean? like, his video was calling out fake guitarists on YouTube or Instagram. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that video came in. Oh, so question. that's, like, what he does is, like, make his thing on just yeah. kind of, like, all right. Like, come to my channel. I'm going to point out this fake guitar player. Yeah. And then this backfired because this fucking guy was, like, wrong asshole. You're fucking mad because you can't play what I'm able to fucking do. I mean, I guess I get that on a circumstantial basis, considering we sit on here and talk shit to like a generalized group of musicians or bands that have already been established or not really yeah. established. But I mean, but like, we also don't have 2.6 million. Yeah, fucking and even listeners. so, it's like, I don't know. I guess to get that many followers, you kind of make it a full time job at that point. But yeah. it's like for me to go ahead and just call because, like, I haven't even heard of both of these guys. I guess I'm behind on the times. 2020 now. I don't, you know, I don't know what's going on. Still anymore. stuck in last decade. Yeah, dude. I'm still stuck in last decade. <laughs> I haven't caught up. <laughs> the, the, the 20s. It's the 20s, dude. It's weird. Yeah. All right, but going back to the whole guitar player thing. Yeah. I would like to roll this into. A touchy subject for all of us because yeah. we all come from different styles and you know influences. influences and for those of you listening now and you haven't figured it out like in the 25 episodes give or take yeah in the almost 30 episodes that we've done me myself connor and steve are all guitar players and we're all extremely different guitar players and different. we all have different influences and it shaped our guitar playing abilities as such the topic i want to bring up here is the greatest guitar players of all time yeah obviously i want to go through and we're going to discuss guitar players and at the end i want to come to a general consensus of you pick three you pick three and i'll pick three move over and let jimmy take over <laughs> and on top of that i want to do overrated and underrated guitar players for each of us all right yeah. Um, yeah, I think... I big, think yeah. Well, not to cut you off, okay. but I feel like we can come to a general consensus here with probably the most overrated guitar player We'll get to that time. part. We'll get to that part later. Okay. Yeah, we'll all get right. to that at the end. <laughs> but I think it's like more important instead of just doing all three, we should obviously discuss guitars that probably aren't going to be on our list that definitely deserve recognition. If you're as known for, as much as for a hat as a guitar, <laughs> you might be overrated. <laughs> That's a hint to later on in the segment. <laughs> I feel like um, a guitar player. That well, a guitar a player is not going to make my list, but somebody that is an incredible guitar player is John Mayer. Mm. Like everyone always thinks of like the fucking pop songs and shit, but John Mayer is an extremely good blues guitar player. 
Like he he's up there with like Bonamassa and yeah. you know all those other guys. And if you watch any live videos from him, you could definitely see like get, get go past all the radio songs and shit. He's like down to the core a fucking blues guy, and his guitar playing proves it. People have always said that to me, but I'm over here just waiting. Waiting on the world to change. I think it's with him too. Um, like I think he goes into that class of like musicians that get just quantified into like the music they're playing and the yeah. recognition they have behind them. So then a lot of people don't get really like like for instance, I think people if they're John Mayer fans, majority of them aren't looking up like John Mayer playing, playing guitar. Like they're looking up his music videos or looking up his live performances of like his hit songs. I've always um, like that one song. I want to run through the halls of my high school. <laughs> I want to scream at the top of my, my lungs. <laughs> it's not a bad song. Here's the thing with John Mayer. John Mayer is not somebody I'm going to search after to go listen to. Like, I'm never scrolling on. I'm like, yeah, I'm in a John Mayer movie. But I will say this. When he's on, definitely don't mind it. Like, yeah. I, mean, I, was in the, I was in the car with, you know, Becky the other day, and... um she like I, I was I was telling you and your wife Bill like uh, she has like a radio broken in her fucking car so the only thing she can do is play this one CD that's stuck in there and it's John Mayer yep so yeah like but it was like but here's the thing I'm not in that car all the time so for Suicidal me thoughts yeah dude it's like that commercial I don't know if you ever saw the one commercial for um I think it's like CarMax or something and it's like this woman driving around she's like how am I ever gonna sell this car it's stuck playing. Limp Biscuit all the time. It's just like stuck in a car and it won't stop playing Limp Biscuit. Like it's like literally like constantly on the radio. I breathe in, I breathe yeah, down, and that's, hands up and hands down. But that's like the funny thing because I'm picturing her driving this car around all the time and like if she wants to listen just to music, one. yeah, she's got two options. She's playing music off her phone at the best quality possible from her phone speaker. She's listening to headphones and avoiding all traffic signals and noises. Y'all should ask for a head unit for Christmas. Bro, but John Mayer, going back to John Mayer and getting off the... Uh, technicalities of this specific you don't, band you don't like john mayer at all connor no not at all nope let's put it this way this dude's got a signature guitar through paul reed smith he's got to be also somebody don't like paul reed smith guitars that much really i just don't like the way they look <laughs> <laughs> i'm sorry but here's this i will say this and going back expensive. to uh very expensive not a fan guitarist that kid punched in and i was originally gonna have him on my underrated mention but i found somebody way more credible to that uh mention um he's like lindsey buckingham and i'll mention lindsey buckingham because he's another one that gets you know quantified into fleetwood mac and yeah. just for his musical abilities it's a different sense in john mayer because fleetwood mac has the notoriety of being part of that classic rock scene and having the complete classic feel to them and also their radio singles and everything else but I didn't know like how intricate he actually was on guitar because you only hear the studio versions. But like for instance, there's like versions of like uh, Rihanna that are on YouTube where he actually solos. That's not in the studio version, and you watch him, and he's first of all he finger picks everything, yeah, which I hold picker, I hold to a single like yeah, because it's the same thing when you watch Cliff Burton up there as opposed to somebody with a pick like you Jason. Just, yeah, I mean it's it gives me a different feel because then it means like you understand your instrument better, and obviously. More make control. You, yeah, it doesn't make it better, but I think that makes it a little more difficult to understand if you're playing certain solos. And like I said, um, yeah. there's a specific live video of him playing Rihanna live where he does solo at the end that's not on the studio version, and he's fucking good, man. And I think people don't really notice that unless you're watching certain performances. Because when you listen to Fleetwood Mac live, or if you're listening to their studio versions and you're listening just like to the main songs, it's there's not much there. Yeah. But then again, that's the same thing. We're going back to John Mayer where it's like, this is another guitarist that not a lot of people understand to even put him up there with like, 
your essentials, like the household names of guitars. Hendrix, BB King, yeah, Vaughn. yeah, Muddy Waters, yeah, yeah, Vaughn, yeah, exactly. Even like the you know G Four guys or whatever the fucking you know, oh, Satriani, Petrucci, yeah, yep. Uh, yeah. Now, like, Tosin Abasi from Animals as Leaders. Yeah. That dude's a fucking animal. Yeah. Dude, he is so nasty. Yeah. Zach Wilde's on that G4 tour now. Yeah. Or Generation Axe, I think they call it. Nuno Betancourt from uh, Extreme. Um, And, Connor, I know you don't have him on your uh, tops of the taps list, but where would you put uh, Neil Young? I know, Neil you, Young. I know you gotta talk about him. Because I think he kind of classifies into the same. Neil Young is yeah, I think a good too. guitar yeah. player, but he's just more of a songwriter. Yeah, like yeah, like for me, Kurt Cobain's number one on, or not number one, but he's on my list. And they're kind of similar, but Kurt Cobain was kind of a better guitarist. Yeah, because Kurt Cobain was more original with like using like uh, non-mainstream elements in his style, whereas Neil Young like. Neil Young kind of invented the like chugging overdrive like song based yeah. hard rock song that's not that hard rock but his solo I mean don't get me wrong like he did noisy shit too like like a hurricane uh rock of the free world that solo is noisy yeah that solo is pretty noisy um but he didn't take it quite as far as Kurt Cobain I don't know if it's maybe just cuz I wasn't around then yeah, and all that. Uh, but I also wouldn't go as far to say he's underrated because he does get credit. He does, yeah. He you gets credited I mean? for being like an audio. Well, that's what I'm saying. I'm trying like, to like if I had a top ten list of greatest guitarists of all time, Neil Young would probably be like ten. Well, that's what I'm okay. saying. I'm trying to have this conversation more so. I we love have our he's list. One of my top three songwriters. That's what I'm probably. saying. We have our yeah. list of top three already, and we have our underrated. So I'm using this opportunity to kind of talk about guitarists that aren't going to make either one of those lists, but like deserve enough recognition. You know what I mean? That's why I would say like Neil Young, Lindsey Buckingham, John Mayer, like they're all guitarists that like have the capability. Yeah. But I couldn't see them as like a top five. I like, couldn't see them yeah. as like an essential. Like I have Peter Buck from REM, yeah. and yeah. Bob Stinson from the Replacements. What about like Stone Gossard? Like my underrated. He was Mike a consideration. McCready. Mike yeah, McCready yeah. is like the real wizard in Pearl Jam. Yeah. yeah. Um. Like even even Jerry. But at Cantrell. the same time, like Jerry Cantrell, Mike, dude, he's on another level. Mike McCready was very derivative too. Yeah. Like. It's it's famous how like the alive solo was taken from Ace Freely, basically. Yeah, you know yeah. What I mean, like there's shit like that all over the place. Stone is probably the more technical profi- technically proficient guitar player. Yeah. yeah, it's just Mike McCready's the more raw talent. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Like you watch like uh like back when we saw like Pearl Jam ten, like they showed you like uh Stone playing live and shit, and he was like shredding. Yeah, like he's a fucking maniac. Yeah, and then you see him at Pearl Jam. Well, that's why, like, I mentioned him as well as, like, when I brought up Jerry Cantrell briefly, because, like, Jerry Cantrell, again, I don't think he's underrated because he's definitely recognized. Yeah. I don't think he's overrated, obviously, because he never gets mentioned, but it's, like, I also couldn't put him on a top three. Like, there's just so many guitars, but he still is, like, one of those guitarists that, because, like, for me, it's, like, the same thing when you hear a vocalist. Like, you hear someone's vocals, and you just know it's them. Yeah. It's the same thing we mentioned earlier, Bill, where it's, like, you hear certain guitarists and their tone, and even just, like... The writing you style, like you, you just it. know that's Jerry. Exactly. You know what I mean? You yep. just like know it. Um, he just but, has that tone, dude. Yeah, like, he's just he just has that feel. Like when it comes on, like even if it's a Jerry solo album or an Allison Chains album, like you know it's him. Yeah, like you know, he, you just know. That's like um, 
Because even like there's other like bands out there that like I give credit to just for the sound. Like you got KK Downing and Glenn Tipton from yeah, uh, Priest. Priest. You know, you got Hanneman and I always King. thought Hanneman was better than King. Oh, Hanneman. Um, Hanneman. Ha- yeah, Hanneman. <laughs> <laughs> Hanneman was definitely the better guitar player yeah. out of the two. But they're all like those guitars of like that mid range where it's like, I'm not saying they're bad, but I'm not saying they're yeah. like extremely good either. Well, if we want to go into like the big four and the thrash thing, I think honestly an underrated hear me out on this one james hetfield never makes a list for great guitar players but like you go through the metallica discography and you know his technical abilities and his fucking right hand dude yeah have you ever tried to play master of puppets of course yeah down downstrokes downstrokes, well it's like the whole kill them all album same thing but that's like the whole thing with the big four though like all those fucking guys have a good right hand yeah like the like i think scott ian had said it at one point for like the big four documentary it's like what you're staring at here are the best right hands in the business yeah and like that's the truth but i think as far as all that shit goes like thrash and stuff i feel like james and kirk Maybe not Kirk so much, but James was definitely probably the most proficient guitar player out of all of them as far as like a songwriting and, you know, like being able to play. But again, I think that also too ties into the fact of like that 80s era was when like bands really started to shape and like less talent was almost necessary because you didn't have like the era of like. You know, when we talk about like blues musicians and like BB King, Muddy Water, even like Stevie Ray Vaughan, like like Texas Flood, dude, you couldn't just release that album without him being who he was. Yeah, exactly. Um, you know, it's the same exactly. thing with like all those blues musicians, and then going into like the '60s and to like the you know where the classic rock era really took off and started to project. And into, honestly, like, what dude, became... Stevie's one of my favorite guitar players yeah. ever. Yeah, I mean, it, like this is even thinking like this, you know, the late '60s, early '70s, and that whole era going into the 80s and then you have the 90s and like the 90s was like just a totally different change with like but you can see all the influences that tie in yeah you can really see like how the constant evolution of every sound where like less talent kind of took place i mean on some guitar players well it wasn't even so much less talent it was like less focused talent on like a specific musician because you figure that's when like bands became bands like for instance nobody was going to see nirvana to see kurt cobain shred no, you know what I mean? People going were going because they were Ron. great songwriters, great musicians. Yes. Same thing with the band that should be not named. The whole big four scene. Yeah. Um, you know, especially to even like any of those 90s bands that came out, like a lot of them were just supreme talent. Yeah. You know, and um, but you figure like more times than not, like, I mean, those big, you know, arena rock bands like the 60s. I mean, if you think about even like Black Sabbath, I think was like really that change because not a lot of people were going there just to see Tony Iommi. People no. were going there really to see Ozzy and getting to see that band in general. Yeah, I agree. Um, but I think that was like the huge difference is because to pick out like good guitars, everybody always goes to like Jimmy Page. You know what I mean? Like everybody yeah, like. By the yeah, I mean. <sighs> well, the, I think the thing too is there's a definitely like a big focus on hard rock and heavy metal yeah and i don't even think that's on purpose like i like like basically just the rock genre as a whole but yeah especially uh i think the reason too with like those bands being mentioned specifically um i think like the metal and like the hard rock scene were just sounds of music that were able to exemplify talent of like guitar ability well, I that think is the thing about my that. thing with the whole like rock music as a whole, like people well, you know, mentioning these guitar players, I think it's because like when you go see a rock band, like chances are you remember the singer 
and the fucking guitar player above anybody else in the band. Good, yeah. Like, think about it. Page and Plant. Especially if you're, Roth like, a novice. Like, because, like, for instance, there's certain bands where I'll, like, immediately acknowledge the drummer before yeah. most, depending like, on tool. the band. Yeah, exactly. But you know what I mean, though? I think, like, as a whole, like, the rock, the whole rock genre, yeah. you would think of the guitar player first because not, like, almost like it's, like, a dick measuring contest yeah. between all these bands, but that's kind of what it is. Like, even, like, this, the objectified list that we have where it's, like, Who's the greatest guitar players? Yeah. You know, and I think like rock music is the perfect outlet for that. Yeah. You know? Yeah. I mean, but then again, there's fucking country guys that can outshred any of these dudes that are on all, any of our lists. That's true. Like country players are probably some of the best players in the world. Well, I think that you don't know any of them the, by their name. Yeah. Like the blues scene was like really when like guitar work was kind of like taking that intricate turn. I mean, there's so many good blues musicians out there with like Muddy Waters. We talked about BB King, Lightning Hopkins. I mean, Edgar and Johnny, both winners. Yeah. I mean, like, there's so many different guitarists out there. I think the issue is too. It's like then it comes down like when we talk about like Kurt Cobain and like um, artists like that that kind of get like put to the side in the sake of their guitar ability just because they're in a band. But then yeah. that's like a whole different conversation because then it's like some of these guys that were excellent musicians just on their instrument didn't make them essential in like creating stardom for themselves because they weren't songwriters yeah but then you see some jerk off like Ingve malmstein yeah being, like ha- hailed as like a fucking insanely good guitar player which is really sad nobody yeah but it's also it's just the attitude you know that gets portrayed yeah i've heard that. he's a fucking total prick he's a total asshole yeah he's uh he's one of those guys that's like you know I have talent, and so do like a hundred other people, but I don't count them. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like I'm the only one with fucking talent. But all he does is the fucking neoclassical shred shit. Yeah. Like, I don't know how many times I'm gonna hear fucking Beethoven's fucking Sixth Symphony fucking played at lightning speed yeah. on a strat. Yeah, I'm sorry. Yeah, it's very annoying. Like first time was like, wow, this guy's pretty fucking good. Second time it was like, uh, eh, you know, that's cool. Third and fourth time, it was like, all right, can we not ever listen to Ingve ever again? His accent sucks, too. I think that's what makes it worse. All right, so I guess in conclusion to this topic. Well, you can't really talk about rock guitar players without bringing up uh, Jay Maskus or um, Thurston Moore and Lee Ronaldo, the dudes from Sonic Youth. I love yeah. Thurston Moore. Nice see, here's here. the funny thing, though, because uh, when I look at, like, uh, when we talk about, like, if you go see a band, like, what you're going to look at, I'm not going to lie, I'm looking at Kim Gordon. <laughs> I just love Kim Gordon. <laughs> See, I'm not, more, I'm not versed sorry. in Sonic Youth enough to be able to talk about them at oh, length, yeah. but I I will say Jay Maskus might be one of the most underrated guitar players to come out of the fucking alternative music scene. Definitely. I can agree with like that. Like 100%. I can agree that with that because... That dude's a fucking monster on guitar. Yeah, because we discussed this, Connor, with the idea of one of the guys that's in my top three as not being uh, as highly credible. Um but I think that's because Dinosaur Jr. itself, like, I mean, you think about it, unless you're really listening to alternative music, I mean, I guarantee there's a thousand people out there that say they're Nirvana fans, Pearl Jam fans, but I've never listened. Like, like for instance, one of my friends, huge fucking Alice in Chains fan, never even heard Dinosaur Jr. Like, you know, just it's one of those I, bands that goes under the radar in that time. It was actually you who got me into yeah, fucking... Yeah, Connor got me into Dinosaur, yeah, into Dinosaur Jr. Jr. Was it Living All Over Me? I think it was like one of the first. That's like the really good one. Yeah, it's really fucking good. Um, but yeah, I think that's one of those bands that just flies totally under the radar for the sake of like, you couldn't even like recognize their musicians if you saw a picture of them, you know what I mean? And, um, mentioned Bob Stinson also, I think that's another band that, uh, he was innovative, you know, like 
he, like we're talking about alternative and shit. Yeah. He kind of he was like the start of all that shit, really. I mean, if you want to get like like serious about it, like without the replacements. Yeah. Well, he, he wouldn't was have like, a lot of that. Well, he was like uh, important for grunging up like songwriters and alternative like yeah. Paul Westerberg, like like faces and the Rolling Stones and all that and wrote good punky songs but then gave it more of that like Bob commercial appeal like it not, actually not i want to say commercial obviously but i'm saying more of like that tasteful appeal because like you mm-hmm. figure when let it be came out i mean if you think about some of the punk bands out well, of that time Simpson liked like yes and like fucking uh three dog night well, that's like what i'm saying if you shit, yeah i was like, trying yeah. to like from his blend of what they were doing it's still like like for instance let it be if you look it up it comes up like and like if you're looking up at like personal reviews like top alternative records mm-hmm. but it's also classified under punk rock uh, like that's the thing yeah. about that album it was very unique in the sense where it's like at that point in time like you had like bands like joy division and stuff that were doing that whole post-punk scene that came prior but you had nobody that like really spawned into like what was going to be alternative rock going through into the 90s well the only thing i really have to bring up with the replacements thing because i never dove into their discography at all besides tim really but like dude you listen to fucking intro bastards of young yeah dude that's like like in my opinion in my eyes like that song could have came out in like 1992 and been a fucking monster well even the intro track man hold my life the way it starts dude dude. (sighs) like it the the replacements were one of those bands, dude, where it was almost like Huh? Left of the dial. Left of the dial. Well, yeah. yeah, but like they were like a band that was crucial because of the time that they came out, but they were also way ahead of the time. Yeah. Like if they were like ten years later, they would have been fucking enormous. Yeah, they're the classic tale of ahead of their time. Yeah. 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 Like they're they're just an incredible band. I mean, like, yeah, everyone knows know who fucking Paul Westerberg is and shit but you know no one really fucking knows bob or tommy stinson yeah. at all unless you know the band you know exactly yeah huh chris mars the drummer too yeah <laughs> but yeah i mean that's just the thing that just goes into the whole like guitar players that aren't ever really talked about yeah that's a shame does anyone else have any no i think what we should do else? here is come down to like a general consensus as you mentioned um bill if you would like to do the honors i say as you mentioned three personal favorites don't have to yeah. be the top of the top but just personal one, favorites one overrated and one underrated yep so i know that everyone listening here must be like oh my god he never got brought up this whole topic well that's because he's not underrated at all edward van halen edward ludwig van halen from obviously edward. the band of van halen um the way i'm going about my top three and these aren't in any order these are just my three um i'm going about technical abilities and how influential they were and how innovative they were so eddie obviously goes without saying arguably one of the greatest of all time and the what he did for the instrument was just insane it kind of turned the whole guitar playing community on its head like you know from 1978 no one heard that kind of shit before and it was just it 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 was needed in order to be able to have like the guitar hero like before the guitar player was just the guy in the band and with van halen now it's holy shit look at the fucking guitar player 
because then everyone else just followed suit and started playing differently and, you know, became more of showmans with it. And I feel like you have, you know, like if you're a lead guitar player and, you know, you're, you know, out in the show front and you're labeled a guitar hero, Eddie Van Halen has to have at least some sort of uh, appreciation. Um, in that same vein, um, with innovation and, you know, just sheer technical abilities and everything like that, Dimebag Daryl from Pantera. I mean, I think we can all come to the agreement here that Dimebag Daryl was one of a kind, and there's no one that will be like him. Metaler. Yeah. yeah. Speaking He's of his guitar abilities, guitar everybody player. always talks about uh, like Cowboys from Hell and Vulgar, and Vulgar's my favorite. Yeah. But Far Beyond Driven. Yeah. That is his best. Far Beyond Driven's my favorite. Dude, great Southern Trend Kill. Great. Like it's good album. album. Too. They're all good, dude. I'm not a huge fan of reinventing, but. I'm going to say this far beyond driven is like, yeah. he was like, he went all out on that album. His guitar work on that album is he figured out. He went the wrong route, got with a sick ass click and went all out. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I mean, as far as what he did for the metal community at that point in time, Cowboys yeah. from Hell came out, what, 1991? Yep. Like they came out in a time where grunge was starting to take over the airwaves and Pantera wound up being a very successful band up until 2000, what, four? They break up. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Up until his death in 2007 or four. Regardless. I think they broke up in like 01 or something. 01. Cowboys yeah, they, yeah, they didn't yeah. tour because of 9-11. Cowboys from Hell was released in 1990. 1990? 1990. Damn. All right. Okay. I I don't know why I thought Cowboys from Hell was 91. But um, yeah, regardless, so Dimebag Daryl. And following suit with metal, um, Tony Iommi. Pantera broke up in 2003. 2003, okay. So yeah, I was yeah. close with four. Close he enough. died yeah, in yeah, four, yeah, yeah, correct? Yeah. Okay, yeah, there we go. Um, yeah, to round this out, the, my three out, um, no list would be complete with without Tony Iommi. He is the godfather of heavy metal. He yeah, is, he's a good pick, yeah. He's literally the reason why... I mean, it, we talk well, about this whole like family treat thing. Yeah. Every branch you go down in like hard rock or metal all the branches at some point or another meet the tony iomi yeah he i think that's if we ever get on one of those segments when we talk about bands in general like that whole band was so fucking talented dude yeah and like ozzy always comes out as he's not a great vocalist and stuff and i agree ozzy's not a fucking great singer but he was the perfect for that band and tony iomi man i mean because aside from just like what he wrote and what he played he was just always like super precise those riffs were like you, like that's another like guitars you just hear it and you know yeah, that's him you know it's him it's just yeah he because it's also too i'm a huge doom metal fan so there's like a lot of bands i'll listen to that have that iomi tone that iomi riff you know and um yeah he's uh he's got a place in my heart tony iomi he does yeah um place in the heart. my underrated guitar player is marty friedman Yes. Um, I believe he joined Megadeth for the Rust in Peace, I believe. And Steve will correct me if I'm wrong. Yeah, Rust in Peace through Risk. So he was from 1990 to 1999. He released five LPs with the Hidden Treasures EP as well. So, yeah, um, Marty Friedman, um, he started uh, in Megadeth during their Rust in Peace album. Um, He's also another one of those, like, insanely good shredder guitar players he's fucking yep. nuts 
he's just an extremely good guitar player, and I feel like no one ever really talks about him because, oh, he was in Megadeth. Yeah. He was in that fucking thrash band. Blah, 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 blah. And I feel like his playing always got overshadowed by Dave Mustaine. And it's like, oh, well, Dave Mustaine's the shit. And it's like, well, no. Marty Friedman fucking all day long smokes Mustaine yeah. without question. And uh, as far as my overrated guitar player, I'm going to wait and we're going to. Yeah, we have a general consensus. Yeah, we have a general consensus. So we're not going to talk about our overrated. So uh, who wants to go next? I'm going to start just with like my obvious choice um, going to like. I'm actually, you know, I'm going to do this in like a era type thing because I'm going to pick like genres of music. That's how I did it. Genres of music, people that were inspirational to me and understood like that's just like who I personally like the best. And Dwayne Allman is going to be my first one. Yeah. Um. I think Dwayne Allman just because like that he had that blues sound, but he also had the classic. Like I mean, I'm gonna tell you now, like Layla. I remember the first time I heard that, and like that was like always one of those one guitarists because the first time I heard it was obviously I think it was in a Martin Scorsese film, and I was like, wow, that's really fucking cool. I was like a little kid. Yeah. yeah, was it Goodfellas? Because I, I remember the piano fellas. part where they're firing all the bodies. Yeah, I couldn't remember end. if I actually heard the riff in that because I know it's like in, it's another it's in like almost every Scorsese film. Really? Yeah, I can't stand that. I song. love that song, and it's like here's the I thing: Derek and the Dominoes version. I don't like the acoustic. No, 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 yeah, not the Clapton version. Wow, we didn't even talk about Clapton. Well, because yeah, well, I don't like Clapton either. I like him, but yeah, that's why I picked Dwayne Allman because if you wanted to pick out of that band just specifically, Dwayne Allman blows him out of the fucking water. But Allman Brothers, I mean, even just with Dickie Betts, like he. He he died too soon. I think he would have been one of those guys that could have done like a lot more because he's just one of those, like he just stayed in his lane. He played the same type of sound. He had the same qualities live. I mean, every live show, like I think I have a f- album of them playing at the Fillmore in the seventies, and yeah, Allman Brothers just Dwayne Allman like made that fucking band. Man, he was just very very talented. Um, and then we're gonna progress a little bit. We're actually gonna go first. To kind of like my go-to genre. I mean, I have a lot, but I think death metal is my go-to genre, and it's really hard to pick guitarists of this genre because a lot of it's fucking repetitive, and a mm-hmm. lot of it's missing like that real, uh, like I want to say unique quality because a lot of death metal sounds the fucking same. Not yeah. gonna lie. Um, but Chuck Schuldner from Death. Oh fuck! I yeah. picked Chuck because because um, he's the fucking man. Yeah, I mean, and you can take songwriting out of it alone. I mean, the fact he changed members. Literally every album, maybe a couple runoffs between albums, he would have a couple guys carry over. Um, but he was always like the brain of that operation. And like, I remember just, I, I listened to so many death metal albums, but I remember when I had Sound of Perseverance and someone played Voices of Soul for me. Granted, I was really high at the time, but obviously I went back and listened to it on my own accord to make sure what I heard was true. Um, but I listened to Voices of the Soul. Oh, sound of perseverance, awesome. and but it's all him. That whole album is good, though. yeah. And the like, all the guitar work on that, like, has he progressed when he went from like Scream Bloody Gore all the way through to the Human Era, and then progressed into Symbolic and ended it with Sound of Perseverance, and even the Control Denied shit. I mean, granted, it's a little fucking ticky tacky because it's kind of like Sound of Perseverance, and there was that whole controversy, but well, it was. Yeah, yeah perseverance was supposed yeah, to be they were forced, yeah they were forced to record a fucking album still uh for death. death yeah but either way i mean voice of the soul is really what sold me on him just being as a standalone guitarist like very very good yeah um and then just ended up with my last personal favorite i'm gonna say john for um currently back in red hot chili peppers 
Hell really yeah. good news. Yeah, very good news. Back where he belongs. Um, I'm really excited about that. I hope they fucking tour. What was the reason behind He's on drug. leaving? Oh, oh. Uh. <laughs> he just gets tired. Like, like, why did he? Basically. Oh, yeah. okay. Um, <laughs> he's a John Frusciante. Because he was on drugs. <laughs> yeah, duh. Um, but John Frusciante, he's just one of the, no, those, those other guitars. Because it took me a very long time to be sold on Red Hot Chili Peppers. Ironically enough, for a very long time, Freaky Styley was my favorite fucking album by Red Hot Chili Peppers. Um, yeah, I really like that fucking album, dude. I'll take uh, Uplift Mofo over that. Really? Mm. Uplift, well, see, this is the thing. Uplift Mofo, you can totally like hear where they were going. Take me to your back. Yeah, it's a very good fucking album. But I don't know, for some reason, Freaky Style, I think it was just the time I heard it and like the moment I heard it and like whatever I may have been doing at that time, but it take always stuck with me. Um, but John Frusciante, dude, fucking changed that band. I mean, completely. Like, uh, don't yeah. get me wrong. Halal yeah. was a fucking great guitarist for that band at the time. But they like, were a John local Fr- band. Yeah. And then when he joined, they were like Put him way over the fucking yeah. top, dude. But he's one of those guitarists, man. Like, I could listen to him just like play shit by he's himself. A and he's a shredder, just, too, yeah, dude. He's, he's good. good. Well, Very like good. Breaking the Girl. Like, yeah, dude. Yeah, the guitar is crazy. Yeah. yeah. I mean, we did acoustic. Did he? Yeah, and I he's mean, a, like just like those ballads. I mean, like I remember the solo soul at the squeeze. end of Dirt, Danny California. Just but just that intro to Soul to Squeeze. Yeah. Ah, oh, dude, it's just like boom, boom, yeah, ding, it's, ding, it's so ding, good. Ding, and then my ding, underrated, because we have the same overrated, all of us. My underrated is uh, as I mentioned in some point at this uh, session, Johnny Winter Edward. If you don't know him, Edgar Winter's brother from Edgar Winter. Yeah. <laughs> um, Johnny Winter though, he's got um. Were they albinos? Yeah, yes. they both were. Yeah, There's actually a documentary I watched on him, dude. Freaks. This guy was nuts, man. <laughs> Yo, he was addicted to methadone, right? And the way they got him off the, he got so old, so obviously they were getting his pills for him, and they were like shortening his pills every time because they were in capsules. So they were dumping a little bit out, dumping a little bit out. Eventually, they were feeding him empty capsules for like a year what so on christmas day after like i guess a year or two of doing this to him to get him off the methadone the last day um they gave him this big gigantic pill and he was very fucking confused and they opened the pill up and there was nothing in there and they were like congratulations you're off methadone and he was like old as fuck he's like like so for a whole year this dude was addicted to methadone for like a decade you know, a huge heroin addict, and um, yeah, they got him off. But he was just—I watched a documentary on him, and I think that's another reason I was like, "Damn, man, people really need to hear his shit." Um, hard again, that album with Muddy Waters that he teamed up with to kind of do that blues revival. I mean, he was just a fucking phenomenal guitarist for his genre, and um, yeah, that's my underrated. Those are my three personals. Nice, Connor. What do you get, bud? I got Jimi Hendrix, Kurt Cobain, and Kevin Shields. Oh. That was the third he settled on? Mm, Kevin Shields from I Believe Amps. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. What's that first album called? First album? Yeah. Isn't anything. And then Loveless. Loveless is what I'm thinking yeah. of. Loveless is very good. Yeah. Yeah. Um, He invented that thick, uh, fuzzy guitar sound. Yeah. Like, Smashing Pumpkins totally took him to fucking... <laughs> to the cleaners on that. Um. <laughs> Silver Sun pickups now. Yeah, it's been done a bunch of times. But yeah. Silver Sun pickups teamed up with Butch Vig. They're trying to get away from that now. <laughs> well, Fuck. thing is with Butch Vig, he's a master of doing what the band wants to be done. Yeah, and Billy yeah. Corgan wanted the My Bloody Valentine sound, so he yeah. got Butch Vig to get it for him. That's a and shame. And he's not really gotten it ever since. Like, like he got it on uh, Siamese Dream. Yeah, that's great. That's another album too. That Loveless album. Um, because that's another album that's like part of that whole 
wave of music that gets you know credit if you're really into it to know about how it originated and nobody really fucking even knows of it i forget who else i brought that up to same i think it's probably the same person i brought dinosaur jr to and they never heard that album because i remember that was another album you showed me i think that's actually the only album i've ever listened to by them to be honest all their albums they only have three well loveless yeah but loveless is uh i have that album it's actually like like i put it up there like i'll actually go and search for that album no no i'm waiting i'm waiting uh I'm doing a whole binge eventually, mm-hmm. waiting for a settlement check to come in for two point five million dollars. Bowling accident. Yeah, that's funny. Yep, company owes me big. <laughs> you want to elaborate on the Kurt Cobain? Um, well, Kurt like gets kind of knocked on for going with the power chord, four chord songs, but I mean, everybody basically does that. Everybody yeah. basically has four main chords, four or five main chords in their song, and then it's it's basically in rock like how well you do the solos, and there's few soloists as original as Kurt Cobain. Yeah, and honestly, his riffs are a lot more original than most. Like, show me another band before Nirvana that had a number one album with any riff like Milken on it. Yeah, yeah. Um, for underrated, I got Chris Cornell. Yeah, Chris Cornell. Chris Cornell was an amazing guitarist, and he gets no credit for that. He only gets the credit for the vocals. That's yeah. true. That's extremely true. He pretty true. much wrote all the Soundgarden songs. He was the one that pushed them in the alternative or alternate timing shit. Yep. It's really funny, too, because... Alternative cause, tuning. Yeah, shit. Chris Cornell, I didn't even realize like his abilities until I actually watched a live version of Rusty Cage, and I saw him like, like playing it, and I'm like, oh, wow, like he's actually like... You know what I mean? It's like the same thing when I see certain like metal bands and I actually see a guy playing a lead that I wasn't aware that actually recorded that lead. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like I always think it's like, you know, like Dave Mustaine did that, not fucking Marty Freeman. You know what I mean? Then you actually yeah. watch live. Oh, wait. Same thing with like Chris Cornell when I watched that video. I think it was like actually a pink pop or something like that yeah. with the fucking that one show. And I was watching him. I was like, wow. Like that's yeah, that's yeah. I can totally agree with that. And then. um, Yeah. Chris Cornell was crazy. Yeah. Was crazy. And the overrated. Before you got killed for trying to take down the pedophiles. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So our <laughs> unanimous overrated guitar player. Slash. Yes. From slash. Guns N' Roses. Yeah. Easily the most overrated guitarist. Of Look, I'm going to go out there on a limb just because I do like Guns N' Roses and yeah. I like to keep my own yeah. personal morality. This I love Reckless Life. I love GNR Lies. And I love Appetite. Problem is people like it. I don't like to use your illusions. Don't like either one of them. I'm not going to lie. I'm not going to fucking lie. I don't like them. I think spaghetti incident was a huge fucking incident. That should never have happened. It was an accident. I wish that would go away. And we all know about Chinese democracy. We're not even going to really talk about that. But Slash wasn't on that. And here's the thing about Slash. Like, I I, I can get with Slash. I can understand it. But, like, as a guitarist, he he doesn't... He can come up with decently catchy riffs. Yeah, but there's just... It's not... That's it. There's no uniqueness to it. To I mean, the November Rain solo is really cool. Don't yeah, get me wrong. Yeah. In context, that solo is really good. Yeah. But it's like I showed you before. The um the uh, Zach Wild. Wow, I didn't even bring him up. Uh, Zach Wild <laughs> and Slash playing Voodoo Child. Yeah. At the fucking Les Paul tribute concert. Yeah. And fucking Zach Wild slays him. Yeah. Zach yeah. Wild made him look Zach like a fucking Wild idiot. Slays Slash. <laughs> You would say that he slashed him. You would say. Slash gets slashed. Yeah, fucking Zach Wilde makes Slash look like an idiot. Yeah. Like he can't even play guitar. But that's the thing with Slash is like you mentioned it. 
He's only Subtly. good in in Guns N' Roses yeah. and like his projects. Well, yeah. Well, yeah. even that's another thing. Velvet Revolver. Well, I couldn't. Dave really Kushner was the better guitar player in that. But, but I'm talking about like overall. Like you think about some of the guitarists that we mentioned. There's like a a plethora of fucking songs. That uh, I listen well, to yeah. I mean, yeah. He basically just does open chords, bar chords, yeah. and the occasional good solo. Yeah. But it's like I think his image, like, because that's the thing. Like Slash is a person. I can give a slash. He's a fucking cool dude. Eh. His interviews are all right. No, no. Glamorized but- drug use pretty heavily. Yes. He did. Not a very admirable uh, character trait. Apparently, he's a bedwetter, too, according to Nikki Six. Yeah. Pees the bed all the time. Probably because he fucking did so many drugs that his fucking body can't hold Just can't shit. even hold it. Yeah. Yep. Sad. But, um, <laughs> now, nah, overall, I mean, I think he sold more so on the image. That's the problem. Yeah. I mean, less Paul alone. It's, like, all part of his image. You know what I mean? And it is what it is. Slash is a brand. It, it really is. That's and really I, all it well, is. Have you ever seen that South Park episode? Which one? Where Slash is, like, Santa- like, no. like they're like talking about like like when they like Slash is playing people. I thought Slash played my birthday party. Like that was me and your mom. Like you know what I mean. Like Slash is literally like a figment of people's imagination. You have to watch it, dude. It's a whole funny. South Park I, I episode. It's fucking hilarious. Um, but yeah, I as a guitarist, I mean, I could probably find fifty guitarists better than Slash overall. Easily, easily, yeah, yeah. yeah. easily. Yep. All right. Well, that there's like fifty guitarists just in the Yardbirds that were better than Slash. Yeah, exactly. Right? <laughs> <laughs> all right so in conclusion slash is the most overrated guitar player of all time and i think all three of us have extremely good like top three if you will yeah. lists i mean whether or not these guys i mean because i believe i mentioned it before and you guys know how i feel about the rolling stone list for the greatest guitar players of all time all of rolling stones lists are trash yeah i think the rolling stone yep. greatest guitar players are 100 guitar player list is absolute shit yeah like literal shit yeah so i feel like we had the sec the record they didn't even here. have kurt cobain in they're like cl- they're very cliche that's the well, problem my they're problem like the is expected. they had kurt cobain above eddie van halen that i can understand well it's they also had kurt too- cobain <laughs> above dimebag daryl well this is also, also too i, uh, I don't know oh, yeah. about all that this is also too like we didn't mention like Jimi Hendrix. We didn't mention and I, I know Jimi Hendrix. No, but I'm saying like on our list yeah. of three Jimmie because Hendrix was on my list. Was he? Yeah. Yeah. You he was number one. One. Oh, you said it so fast. Yeah, I just didn't elaborate yeah, on yeah. Jimi Hendrix because well, everybody knows. Kurt, Kurt, yeah, it was and Jimmy Keith, Kurt yeah. and Kevin Shields. Kevin yeah. Shields. Um but yeah, I mean either way, I mean you would think with those lists, I mean there's certain guitars that probably weren't mentioned that should be mentioned, but that was the whole point. It's like kind of like getting that personal take on like Jimi Hendrix is like that. the cliche pick, but yeah, exactly. no one elevated the guitar game. Nobody. As much as he I think that's yeah, yeah, but I yeah, I mean obviously I feel like they that's why have I said Jimmy Page either. All along the watchtowers yeah. a microcosm of that. Like yeah. you just look what motherfuckers were doing before Jimmy and look what they were doing with yeah, Jimmy. Yeah, you really set the bar. BJ and, and still it's and, like you know and AJ. Before but, Jimmy, and that's the Jimmy. thing about guitarists like that. I mean, because Jimi Hendrix will be remembered like that forever. He's he's the guitar hero. He's yep. the first guitar hero. Yep. All right. So last week, our suggestion was to check out the film Sid and Nancy, directed by Alex Cox. Cox. <laughs> 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 he said Cox. <laughs> um, ratings here. Rotten Tomatoes gave it eighty-eight percent. Uh, Rotten Tomatoes audience score gave it a 76%. IMDb gave it a 7 out of 10. Now, Steve, since this is kind of your wheelhouse, would you like to give our listeners a brief rundown of what this film was if they haven't seen it? Yeah, essentially, it's kind of like the history of the Sex Pistols, but it's more so focused on Sid Vicious and Nancy Spongeon. Uh, Nancy Spongeon, played by Chloe Webb, originally casted to be Courtney Love, who made an appearance in the film. 
Um, that's shout out to you, Connor. And uh, Sid Vicious Buck played Buck. by the very respected Gary Oldman. You may have seen him in The Professional or even playing in the Batman films with Christian Bale. Was he in Harry Potter? Who? Gary Oldman? Yeah, wasn't he Azkaban or whatever the fuck? Oh, yeah, yeah, from Prisoner of Azkaban. Yeah, yeah. he was uh, Sirius Black. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, um, yeah but uh, pretty much it's uh, more so based around Sid and Nancy's story. Obviously, the end tale is that he kills Nancy, but you get to really see like how fucked up, how untalented Sid really was. Just <laughs> the drugs took over, the lifestyle. Yep. Um, you got to just see how reckless he was on stage. But it's it's the performances themselves is what really drives this film. Gary Oldman is top notch. Gary Oldman crazy, but then there's moments where you actually feel fucking bad for him. Um, and just it's it's a very good movie. I mean, obviously it's shot in an older time, so it's not got the super intense moments of like great film quality. But overall, dude, it's just. You know, if you're if you're a punk fan, if you just want to watch a, a decent film that's you know not just a strict documentary, I definitely definitely recommend it. I fucking enjoyed it. So, what would you give this uh, score? I'm gonna put this strictly on a movie basis, like and compare it to like how I would say like The Godfather or like films films. Okay. I'm gonna give it a seven out of ten. Um, reason being because it's you know it's good, but it's not like I wouldn't put it up there as like wow like like incredible. Gary Oldman should have got an Oscar for it. Like it's yeah, not exactly. like that performance, but no seven because it's worth a watch and I've watched it more than once. Yeah, Simple I was gonna that. say six point five. Yeah, yeah. I, I haven't seen it in like ten years though. I'll be honest. Yeah, like I said, to me it's a watch. I could watch it again, but I'm not gonna be like yeah, my top five films, dude. Listen, like it's yeah, not yeah. one of those. Yeah, yeah. I'm gonna I'm giving it a seven. It's no control. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, the reviews here that we have, uh, Desmond Ryan from the Philadelphia Inquirer says, uh, they are more than zombies doing needlepoint on each other's veins. Both are brought to life in a complex, deeply felt performances from two, from two actors who have abandoned themselves to enormously demanding and difficult roles. Um, the next one is from Gene Siskel from the Chicago Tribune. Once we uh, sense a glimmer of talent and accept these people as human beings, the tragedy of their drug use resonates enormously. Yeah. So uh, what's our combined score here? 6.8. 6.8? Well, like 6.75. Uh, no, 6.8 because there was two sevens, yeah. All right. Suggestion of the week. Personal suggestions this week. I'm going to stay in the whole true to guitar hero type uh you know pick here i am choosing the song ice cream man off of van halen's oh. debut from you know 1978 what, what were you thinking Fucking of uh, Rayquan. Uh, the ice cream man is uh, coming <laughs> no um i'm choosing the van halen uh rendition of ice cream man only because i feel like besides eruption on Van Halen 1, this is the best solo on that album. Hands down, without question. Okay. So, you heard it here. Ice Cream Man, Van Halen ice 1. Man. <laughs> <laughs> I'm your ice cream man. Stop me when I'm passing by. Mission of Burma's debut EP, Signals, Calls, and Marches. Check out the song, That's When I Reach for My Revolver. Nice. That's when I reach for my revolver. Um, my uh, recommendation is the 1966 release by the 13th Floor Elevators. It is their album, The Psychedelic Sounds of the 13th Floor Elevators, <sighs> featuring a very disturbed guitarist and vocalist by the name of Rocky, Rocky Erickson. Erickson. Hell yeah, dude. <laughs> he just died. I know. 
And uh, the out the song I'm actually going to recommend is uh, the third track, Splash One. All right. So our group suggestion for this week is the documentary Backstreet Boys. Show them what you're made of. Directed by Stephen Kijak. Kijak? Kijak? <laughs> K-I-J-A-K. Last so, name? Yeah. So leave it up to you know listener discretion on how you would pronounce that last name. But that is our group suggestion for this week. Um, yeah, it's definitely an interesting watch. I mean, it's nothing like groundbreaking or anything, but it's definitely something if you ever wanted to dive a little bit deeper into the lives of the Backstreet Boys. And it's, uh, I, I kind of attribute this to being their version of like some kind of monster. Yeah. There's a lot of crying. Yeah. I've already seen it. Uh, we'll discuss it next week. So I don't want to. Yeah. Yeah. Just we'll be prepared. That. There's waterworks. Yeah, we'll get to that. <laughs> All right, everybody. Very privileged waterworks. Oh, my God. <laughs> yeah, we'll get to that. <laughs> <laughs> All right, everyone. This is Rage Against the Mainstream signing off for the evening. You know, you can catch us on our social medias, uh, facebook.com slash RATM podcast, Twitter and Instagram at RATM podcast. And as always, our email is open for suggestions, band submissions. You guys have heard all the interviews and shit that have been done in the past couple months so this is your chance to get on you can get us at uh retm podcast at gmail.com once again this is rage against the mainstream signing off for the evening i'm bill steve connor have a good night guys thanks for listening